What's up? What's up, friends? Welcome to today's episode of the Unleash Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, Danny D, and today I have a very special guest with me, and we're going to be talking about all things culty because there is a lot of cult tactics that can be seen online, whether you're in the coaching industry or other service-based industries, whether you have a product shop and you are in Facebook groups, or whether you follow very prominent figures in the self-help industry. And you might see documentaries coming out. You might see people having conversations around what is healthy and what is unhealthy when we look at the influence that people have on us, especially online when we literally have communities at our fingertips. So we're breaking down cult tactics today. We're breaking down what it means to be a little bit culty. And we are talking about all things cult psychology with Cassie Marie. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, We talk about very similar things in very different ways. And I think that is so cool. And I absolutely love the way that you approach things. So for those at home who have no idea, maybe have seen your face or don't know who you are, can you let us know who you are and what you do? Yes. So I am Cassie Marie. I am an artist and content creator. I talk mostly about cults and culty things in lots of different areas, but I'm very passionate about talking about them in the context of the coaching industry and religious deconstruction, because as I'm sure I'll share throughout this whole thing, I, those two were very tied together for me. That's my experience and my journey and how I came to be interested in cults and love all things culty. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what I do. I post TikToks, I create art, I share what I've been through and things that I'm learning and how I'm healing and hopes that having these conversations might like change some things in the future. I love that. The side note, this is so, well, this is, I was gonna say this off topic, but it's not off topic because we're talking about it, but, um, so do you paint? Is that like your medium of art? Yes. So I actually, what started all of this, it is related, is I started an Etsy shop as my very first business right after I got married in 2015. And I learned how to hand letter. And at that time in the church that I was in, I was very like insecure and I would have never called myself an artist, even though I was teaching myself an entire style of art and medium, always been crafty, always, always done artsy things and, um, going into the coaching industry and spirituality and religious stuff kind of pulled me out of my art and I stopped doing it for a long time. And so recently over the past couple of years, I started painting again and just experimenting and really fell in love with abstract art. So I paint and hand letter and use lots of different mediums um, and use art kind of as a way to meditate, journal, like kind of work through feelings, almost in like an art therapy kind of way. So it's something, yeah, yeah, it's something that I'm working into my brand and my practice because it's been so monumentally like helpful for me (laughs) in so many ways. So yeah. That's so cool. And I love like the art art therapy like aspect of it. Um, Mm -hmm. A fun fact about me, and then we'll not talk about me. We'll talk more mainly about you. (laughs) (laughs) But I was going to say, 
I love when people talk about like utilizing um, their artistic mediums as like an expression or like a space to put their feelings and their thoughts and stuff. Uh, one of the major career paths that I almost, I was like this close to um, taking was drama therapy. Because oh, wow. one of my professors literally said like, you and I at the time I I in tears because I was like if I don't get an A plus in acting I'm a failure like I was I was so acting was my thing and like my worth depended on if I was casted in a show or my worth depended on if I got an A plus from one of my professors or whatever right so I remember one of my professors I went into a interview with them and we're we're still very close now like she's amazing but at the time she's like I don't think that you're going to be an actor and me at the time was like, what? Okay. I'm not good enough to be an actor. <laughs> She's like, I think you're going to utilize this work for, to like help people. She's like, have you ever thought of doing drama therapy? Like, have you ever thought of doing these things? Cause that's how you use that to like help your fellow students. And I was like, so you're saying I'm not going to make it and be famous. <laughs> but it's that's just incredible. Really cool. Like obviously yeah. How long goes? That was probably like seven or eight years later. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it now. And like, got you. Yeah. When I go to her um, workshops, it's kind of like this, like, I kind of drag my feet in there and I'm like, yeah, you were right. Like, okay, cool. Because <laughs> like, I use it in different ways. Right. But it's, um, it's just really fun. I'm like, yeah, okay. I get what you were saying now. Um, it had nothing to do with if I was good enough or not, but it was like, definitely like that therapy aspect, which is really cool because I think it's so important. Um, yeah, I fully agree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's really cool. Um, I'm excited to actually creep. I was creeping a little bit of your art stuff yesterday. So I'm excited to like look more into that, which is really fun and exciting. Um, So (laughs) let's just dive right in to when you say culty things or when you say for people who might think, and I think I was kind of on this gray scale of, and we'll talk about that. Like, cause by the way, um, Cassie also has a show and a podcast and I'm going to be on it like literally right after this. So you can hear both sides of two very different ways of thinking and talking about it. But, um, for me, when I first started, I was like, okay, I get what a traditional cult is. Like, I get it. Uh-huh. I got like the Moonies. I get the Manson family. I get it. Um, but what does that have to do with like religion or cause I was raised Roman Catholic and I was like, like, what does that have to do with like, like all the coaching industry? So for you, what was your path to like, and start as far back as you feel comfortable. Um, but what was your path of being like, Oh shit, this something's off mm-hmm. and figuring out what, what that might've been and like your path to deconstructing it. Um, so basically this, the story starts back when I was in my early twenties and my now husband boyfriend at the time started going to a church, um, in Wilmington, North Carolina, where we moved. And it was a different church than I had ever been to. Um, it was really, really appealing to me at the time. Um, and I'm still thankful for what I learned from it in a lot of ways, but I actually grew up kind like not very religious, Half of my family is Catholic, half of my family is Methodist, Um, but my husband grew up very religious. He's a preacher's kid um, and just grew up in a variety of like a lot more authoritarian religious structure. So this church that we went to was recommended by his sister and it is, uh, it was a non-denominational church. We didn't know at the time that it's actually Pentecostal. I've actually done all the research and like traced all the roots of it at this point. 
Um, but it's okay, like, a can game- we pause for a second? Yes. What do you mean by non-denominational yeah. church? So there's all different kinds of denominations of like Protestant Christianity yeah. and non-denominational is considered a denomination. So like it just means it's not, um, Baptist, not Methodist, not Wesleyan, not, uh, Pentecostal, not like there's lots of different types of whatever. And it's just supposed to be not any of those, but it's kind of a denomination in itself. It's kind of the church, like theology splits all the time. Like that's why yeah. we have all these different denominations. Um, so non, a lot of churches, a lot of actually religious cults like to claim they're non-denominational too, because they're like, we have the right way. Like all those other people that made these other denominations are wrong. Um, so yeah, we thought it was like, just kind of just biblically centered or whatever, not based on anything. Um, and it was involved, uh, gifts of the spirit are a really big thing in this church. So we learned, prophetic ministry which is kind of like being psychic like we would learn to hear from God and give um words to people and at the time I felt like I was really connecting to spirituality in a way that I hadn't before and thought it was really beautiful but I had a lot of like just kind of gut reaction concerns about the way that we did it that I I would ask questions about all the time but couldn't like really reconcile so like that's where it started. So then I, I wanted to start a business. I was very like indoctrinated into this belief system. I wanted to do it. The language that was used was I wanted to do it God's way and not the world's way. And I stumbled into the coaching industry and went through a couple different like little programs here and there and started working with a coach that was affiliated with this religion, a different church, but the same like thing. So it was very tied to like my, my religious beliefs, all this stuff. Um, turns out she was a raging narcissist, <laughs> like absolutely horrible. I made some crazy decisions while working with her that like looking back, I'm like, why did I, why did I do that? Like when I got out of it, I was like, how could I have made these decisions to like, I paid her with money I didn't have, not just by like taking out um, like credit cards. Like if you want to take out credit cards or loans, pay for things, however you want to pay for them, that's fine. But like, I would have never done that. And I, I took money from like my Etsy business to pay her and then couldn't afford things to like fulfill orders for my Etsy business. It got really bad. Yeah. Like it was a whole thing. Um, this is how I met one of my best friends. I have this whole story actually on my podcast as well. And my best friend's story, because she was wrapped up with this narcissist too. Um, oh. and all what epi- do you know off the top of your head, what episode that is? If someone's searching for it? Uh, episode one has my story. And I think um, episode two, unraveling the coaching industry with Andy Williams cool. um, okay. has hers. Yes. Sweet. So we basically kind of finally came together and started sharing our concerns about this coach. And we were like, I think we, she's a narcissist. And I think she's been lying to us. I think this is like actually abuse. And we had to like kick her out of our lives and like cut her off, block her everywhere. Like it was bad. Um, During this time, my husband started deconstructing from religion 
And that's what happens. There's kind of this whole movement going on right now where a lot of Christians our age, a lot of millennial Christians are kind of looking at lots of different denominations of Christianity and just being like, I don't think this makes any sense to me anymore. And like some of these beliefs seem actually pretty harmful and I'm not into it. So he started deconstructing. I started realizing I was like being controlled by a narcissist. Then I started deconstructing my faith. All is all of this is happening. Wow. It's a lot. As all of this is going on, um, I, I started watching Scientology in the aftermath. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So I started watching that. And uh, when they got to like some of the financial parts of Scientology and the episodes about finance, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this seems extremely similar to not only how this like narcissistic coach got me to pay her for things. But I see like some of this language and these narratives in the coaching industry as a whole. So that show was huge. And then um, much later, I watched the Nexium, The Vow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that, because that was a self-help and coaching yeah. kind of cult, um, that's what really made me realize like, wow. I'm starting to see so many similarities from deconstructing from Christianity. Some of the harmful things I noticed in ministry when I went to this church, um, the way this narcissistic coach had me do things and treated me and how like my belief system kind of primed me for all of this. Like there were lots of narratives post like that everybody in the coaching industry and like biblically would share that I was kind of inundated with all the time. Like I got into it when like Facebook groups were really huge. That's how Mm -hmm. I got into the coaching industry. So I was just on Facebook all day in all these groups, seeing all these messages over and over again. So that I just started like connecting the dots and realizing like, oh, wow, this is really messed up. And luckily since then, I've worked with an amazing coach And I have worked with a high ticket coach that was like great too. I don't think she was harmful. And I think like coaching is valuable, you know, like there are bad coaches and good coaches, just like you can have therapy cults and like good therapists and you can have like religious cults, but good religion. Um, So I like, but it's been really hard for me to navigate business ever since then like through my deconstruction, there's just a lot of things that like you think that you realize and you've worked through, but you go to actually do it. And it's been really difficult. So because of all of that, I really had to understand the difference between healthy and unhealthy influence, because you kind of get like almost PTSD in a sense. I don't know if that's what like clinically it would be considered, But all of these like buzzwords and jargon and like kind of ways of doing things make you can make you feel like everything is unhealthy or, you know, like everyone is using like weird tactics to just get money from you. And it was hard and scary and it's been hard and scary to navigate. So I'm really passionate about knowing the difference between what is healthy and what is unhealthy to hopefully prevent people from going through some of the harm that I've gone through and 
hopefully help people heal that have been through it and are coming out of it and are recognizing the same things. Um, because there are differences that once, you know, you can be like, Oh, I see, like, I see where this turn, where this became harmful. And I can see how like this can be helpful. And I think, especially in the coaching industry, the current narrative is that if you are critical of it, then you hate coaching. And if you have anything negative to say, it's just because it didn't work for you. And like it, you didn't work hard enough or you didn't apply it or you have issues that you still need to work through. Otherwise, like everything would be fine. And that's not the case. <laughs> like that's, that's uh-huh. not how everything works. Yeah. So, like you'll see those posts that are like, hey, like guys, like maybe we should stop doing this super harmful thing. Cause it's like, it's kind of messed up. Right. And then two seconds later, you'll see a different person be like, everyone's trashing the coaching industry. And it's like, Hey, it's like, Uh it's actually okay to question things. And it's okay to be like, Hey, like this seems off. Like, how can we do this differently? And like that? Okay, cool. Like I understand with that um, navigating, cause it is um, difficult for me too. Like I constantly Mm -hmm. have to be like, am I being an asshole on the internet right now like I'd be like wait a second like I have to look at my post and be like hold on like or I'll go to write something and I'm like Ugh. like it's like almost like this girl boss version of me like takes over and it's mm-hmm. like pain points pain points pain. like I, like it's so interesting and I have to like before I post anything like step away from it and yeah. be like okay what energy did I write it in like what is like I ha- I feel like I have to be so intentional as I'm deconstructing these things and as I continue to and be like okay who am I trying to be on the internet right now and then you are like inundated with all these different people and messaging and it almost seems like from we're looking at like the industry as a whole it's like you can only be successful if you do those things and so you're like oh okay so I'm gonna go try to do these things and if you don't see instant success because a lot of the things are taught because they work because they're manipulation tactics that will be like that false senses of urgency and stuff like that it's like yeah you can back someone to a corner and like manipulate them into buying from you but do you actually want that it's like do you actually want that and do you want that relationship and do you want to be that person like does that actually align with your values and so when you don't have that instant hit of like that dopamine of someone like paying because you put a sleazy post or like whatever um, I it's don't think I, I didn't, yeah, it's hard. I never like girl boss, like right to the sun. I was like pretty close to the sun, but I didn't like, like, you know, that TikTok thing. It's like, I think yeah. I girl boss a little too close to the sun. Um, I was like, like a couple planets away always, but there was definitely that feeling of like, I wasn't doing enough unless I was doing those things. And right. that does like prime people to be like, don't ask questions because do you want to be successful? do you want this to work? And then you're like, well, yeah, but can I not, can I do it without like hurting people? And so there is definitely that like underlying, like if you don't do this, you won't be successful. Or if you have slow growth, you're doing something wrong. Yes. Yes. One of the biggest things that I'm, that I've been struggling through is the like, is that if you're, if you're having slow growth, you're doing something wrong that I just need to fix some block or mindset block or 
manifestation issue because I should be able to do this easily. I know all the things I've paid all these crazy coaches and some good ones. I've, you know, like whatever it is, the narrative, my head is like spinning with that day. It's like, but I should be able to do this immediately. And so I constantly am having to fight myself of like, no, like it's actually okay to build a foundation of something. It's actually okay to like take time and figure it out as you go. And understand that you're not doing something wrong. It just might look different and you might not have it all figured out yet. I think like for me, that was a huge thing that I think the industry like really pushed me into thinking that I was ready for things that I wasn't ready for, you know, that I like, I could have used some more training. I could have used some more experience, you know, like just like little things, not like I, you have to abandon it all and get degrees, but like that was something I ran into a lot was like, no, you're ready now. It's just a mindset block. Like you're ready now. You want it now. You can have ready it Ready is a lie. Yes. <laughs> ready is a lie. And it's like, okay, cool. But like if my nervous system or my, like I talk a lot, I don't know if you've heard me talk about like confidence is a muscle. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So like if, if you're going to go carry a bunch of weight and you have a different weight than this person who is yelling these things on the internet of like, do it now, do it now. And you're like, okay, well, that person has a ton more privilege than me, but I'm not going to even like think about that. Cause they said ready is now. So I'm going to go try to take on a bunch more weight by doing something that's out of my comfort zone because everything's mm. out of the comfort zone type of thing. Like that can be so damaging. And then you have to like pause and like heal those like torn muscles because maybe you are in a space where like your direct environment is super religious. And they're like, just go do it. Go do these things. And you're like, okay. And then you have to go home at the end of the day. They don't have to go home to your house at the end of the day. Like you have to go home to your house. So yeah, it's just wild, but, um, it's so interesting how, and I bet you there's gonna be a lot of people who listen to this who are like, oh shit, I relate. And that's how you know that there are things that need to be changed because the more you talk about it and people are like, me too, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Um, all those posts that are like, don't trash the coaching industry is like, okay, but we're allowed to question it because why are we all having the same experiences? That's exactly what I think every time I see those, I'm like, okay, but like one, I think it's important to honor everyone's personal experience, not just your own. And two, it's it's not just like one-off things. Like there aren't just people who randomly decide like, I'm disgruntled. This didn't work for me. And I'm mad. Like there are a lot, every single time I post people DM me that are not ready to talk about it. That have had really every single time. Like it is, there are way, way, way more people that have shared this experience than we know because yeah. only so many people can handle speaking out about it right now, which is like, cause yeah. it's hard. It's scary. Yeah. Every time I do it, somebody is like, you're just mad, blah, blah, blah. You just hate the coaching industry. Like, it's really tough. But every single time I post about it, I have people thanking me and sharing their stories with me and telling me it's happened to them too. So like exactly what you're saying. When we're, there's a collective experience happening. Yeah. Like shouldn't be ignored. Like we shouldn't ignore it just because it's working for some people 
doesn't mean we have to ignore like all of the people that it's not working for. And I feel like you asked this question forever ago and I'm kind of like getting around to answering No, but I love this. Like, yeah, like, let's, yeah, yeah, I love this. That's how this correlates. That's how like cults correlate with like the coaching industry and religion is a huge cult tactic or like a sign of a cult is that anyone who dissents or critiques or disagrees is labeled as bad or wrong or angry or other or something. Cults will never allow criticism and like listen to it and take it into consideration. They will always try to attack. They will go on the offensive. Um, Like they, most cults feel the best way to defend is attack. And the way to do that is to label any critic as just either angry, crazy, um, like a one-off thing, um, and do whatever they can to keep, to scare people enough to keep. Yeah. And to discredit the people who are talking out or be like, right. Didn't didn't know enough, or you didn't do enough, or it's a you problem. It's not an us problem. It's a you problem. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, is it a me problem? What did I like? Did I actually do something wrong in that like questioning? And for anyone who's listening, um, I will put underneath this episode because I think it'll be very relevant. We'll talk about it. We'll like circle around it. But uh, Stephen Hasen's bite model, B-I-T-E, for those of you who have never heard like it, no matter what, you probably... If you're listening to my podcast, you might've heard it on some of my consensual conversation things or social media consent things, but uh, behavioral control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. Um, and there are the little like sections to know, like if you, if you are experiencing behavior, authoritarian control. So I'll put that link mm-hmm. below because we're going to be talking about it. And um, especially when we're talking about undue influence, Cassie's going to talk about that stuff too. Uh, that's a good resource. Wow. I can't talk for you to, um, look at and kind of follow along and be like, either like, Oh shit. Or like, okay, sounds good. Now I have more clarity. Um, so I'll remember to put that below too. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's, it's so fascinating to me about the coaching industry, how like we're doing this as an industry, like how in general, it's a breeding ground for narcissists and for spiritual or business coaches to like create their own cults within themselves. But the industry as a whole also ha- operates in a very like culty way. Like yeah. the way that we don't, I actually think I've seen you talk about this somewhere where you've said like, it's really great to look outside your own industry for yes. like inspiration for the love of God, people like go outside the ecosystem. Um, I'll say one side note on that. Cause I'm happy you brought that up. Cause yeah, like the eco chamber of the coaching industry, when you're in it, it feels like you're doing everything wrong. It feels like you can't get a grip or it feels like you have to do these things. But when you step away from it and like, I actually taught kids last summer for like, I got a seven week contract. Cause I still teach kids outside my thing. Cause I love it. Eventually I will not be able to do it, but I'm doing it again this summer and I'm so excited. I like love it. I try to do it like once a month and stuff and go in as like a freelance artist. And a lot of things that I teach in my classrooms are the things that you'll hear me talk about online. Um, and that 
go seek out inspiration outside of your industry came from me teaching kids and having conversations with kids, not about the coaching industry, but we didn't talk about that, but like, (laughs) just like genuinely about like consent and about like, what's everyone's capacity and like, what does respect mean? And like, what does autonomy mean? And like from ages six to ages 15 and hearing different perspectives, then taking that back into the industry and being like, holy shit, this is wrong. And without experience or information outside of the actual physical industry or outside the eco chamber of uh, the coaching industry or who you're following online, you don't get the gut check or perspective check of, does this Mm -hmm. actually align with my values? And is this real or is this program belief? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we have that like within an industry, not just under like one leader. And I think I've, I'm still like, I'm still researching this to put together kind of like my own framework of like why I think this is and like what is happening. Cause I feel like that's the best way to know how to move forward Mm -hmm. and like come out of this. But I think um, it just kind of ties back into the way that we market in our capitalist society is based on (laughs) like psychological tactics of manipulation. Yeah. And like that goes, that goes real far back. And um those are cult tactics as well. And while it may not be like used to get you to commit your whole life into something, those same psychological tactics can be used to sell you a product you might not want. And so I think that's why like in the industry, it's so prevalent and why we like are keeping ourselves in these belief systems like collectively versus like Mm -hmm. just running into cult leaders in the industry, which also happens. Yeah. Um, um, then we'll talk about this probably more on your podcast, but one of the things (laughs) that is really interesting that I noticed from just my experience and stuff like that and my research and like putting my own shit together is a lot of like the network marketing companies and like that culture is like really closely tied in with the coaching industry. And a lot of people go from MLM, including myself to, to, um, and we'll talk about that on your show, but, Mm -hmm. um, go from MLM to the coaching industry and take everything that they learned about duplication into the coaching industry and then like recreate it in their businesses. And one of the things that I've noticed with um, multi-level marketing companies and why they teach things like, like, okay, this is just no one hate me, but just listen. Okay. And if, and if you hate me so much and you want to write a scathing email, feel free. I may not read it, but I will respect your hate. Um, Cause you don't have to like me and you don't have to trust me. That's fine. But I will say, Okay. I was an MLM person. Okay. I was so, okay. Now that I preface last, I'm going to get into some shit. Okay. So, um, the MLM companies for them, it's so much cheaper to create loyal customers than to get new customers. Right. And so, okay. So if you started a multi-level marketing company and you were like, Danny, you want to be an affiliate person for me? I'd be like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. And I got a cut of whatever profits, but all I had to do is like market out but if I got someone on my team or whatever, they would also get a cut of the profits, but then I'd get double that. So there's a lot of incentive for me to continue to build a team, right? That's multi-level marketing. But yep. it's also really beneficial for you because if I'm continuously buying products and getting other people to buy products, like your greatest um, customer base is me. Like yeah. I am your customer, even though it's like... Yeah. 
I quote unquote have my own company, even though it's, I'm actually would be a contracted salesperson for you. It's like, I am your greatest like customer base. So a lot of the things that they teach in multi-level marketing is for you to be a lifer. Well, why would they teach that? Why would they try to get you to, you know, um, and I'm not like, anyways, I have, I have a lot of feelings about MLMs. I'm not saying if you're in an MLM, you're bad or wrong or anything. Not at all. I'm just saying like, these are some things that we really need to consider to see if it fits Mm -hmm. for us. Right. Um, and so, yeah. So it's like, it's really beneficial for you. If I just keep selling your product and getting other people to sell it because that's your customer base. And so it would be really beneficial for you to tell me that maybe my job is actually the reason why I'm not getting to a certain rank. And if right. only I quit my job, but you can't tell me to quit my job because that would be probably illegal <laughs> to be like, you should quit your job for <laughs> yeah. this thing that's not guaranteed. So what you're going to say is you're going to paint me a picture of this like beautiful thing that I could have if I was all in on your company. So I'm going to get into that and I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm going to quit my job, take this full time, make more money. And then you're going to be like, but wouldn't it be great if your spouse was also with you? Wouldn't that be amazing if you, and you can see this in the coaching industry too, where it's like, wouldn't it be amazing? And like, even me, if I'm like, oh, actually I don't want to work with my spouse or maybe that doesn't feel good to me. I have this idea that I have to retire my spouse to be seen as successful. Well, guess what? So if I retire my spouse and I get my family and friends involved, uh, that company, like our livelihood is dependent on that company. So who are we going to be loyal to? Are we going Mm -hmm. to be loyal to people outside of our little like company? Am I going to be loyal to maybe my mom or my parent who says, Hey, like, I think that this is maybe damaging to a lot of relationships outside, or am I going to be loyal to the thing that my livelihood depends on? Because now my entire income and life depends on this one company. So like, and I think this is a really great segue of like, okay, so why would people do this? Like, why is, why are people willingly being like, yeah, 110%. And the wild thing is that And I saw this with someone who was in a a certain MLM who was actually speaking out about about a lot of the racism that was going on behind closed doors. The company terminated them. Yep. And they had retired their significant other. They were all in on this company. They had one of the like one of the major teams, and that company was like, "We don't like what you're posting online. We're going to fire you." And that person had nothing. Right. And so it's like that dependency, especially financial, all that stuff. Like, why does that even happen? And um, I think that's why there's like a lot of those like ties in the coaching industry. But I'd love for this segue for if you're cool (laughs) with this to be like, why do people do the things that they do uh, is undue influence. So Cassie, can you talk about um, undue influence a little bit? And like, what does that even mean? And like how you have seen that in your own experience of the coaching industry? Yes. So undue influence um, is a term that Stephen Hassan coined when we were talking about the bite model earlier. Um, He also has a spectrum of influence. So basically it's his idea of like what is ethical influence and unethical influence. Um, And he coined this term because in like cult psychology for a long time, Um, people would use the term brainwashing. 
and use that as like why people did things. Oh, they were brainwashed or they weren't themselves or they were like systematically broken down and um, it wasn't things that they were deciding on their own. And Stephen Hassan kind of realized, well, like that's not exactly what's happening, kind of. And in the most extreme cases, that's what happens, but not in some of the like less extreme case- cases. Um, so it just, it all exists on a spectrum. And it's basically when someone has their own self-interest at heart, whatever that is, and they use the tactics stated in the bite model to make you believe what they believe and follow what they follow and and do what like they say they're going to do. So I think like the reason that we do these things is because up front, we don't know all of this, right? Like we don't see we don't connect these dots. We don't see behind the scenes. We don't know um, all of the negative things that can happen. We only see the good. And in terms of MLMs and the coaching industry and business is we're, we're kind of sold this life of our dreams, these things that we all want. You know, we all want to do something we love. We all want our work to be something that we love to do. And we want to make good money doing it. And we don't want to have to like, we don't want to be in hustle culture. We don't want to work 24 seven to make it happen. We want to spend time with our families. Like these are all very normal, like things that kind of universally everyone wants. And that's like what you're hooked into. And then once you kind of buy in to their philosophy of like how they say that you're going to achieve this, that's where like it happens over time, they use these behavior and informational and thought and emotional control to keep you in and make you believe deeper once you're in, which is what makes it really hard to get out. So like if you encounter, um, say, let's say like a business coach, if you were to encounter a business coach that is um, like saying all these amazing things and you really resonate with it and you really love what they're saying, but you hear upfront with like proof that like, oh, but they lie about this. The back end of their business is not what they say it is. Um, They actually don't pay their employees well. And there's like all this racism going on behind the scenes. Then of course you're going to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to get into this. That sounds horrible, you know, but if they can keep that all like tightly, under wraps and you don't know any of these things, then once they have you bought in, it's a lot harder to convince you of it. Um, They use tactics similar to narcissists in narcissistic relationships. They'll love bomb you. Um, they, They really will build you up and tell you how special you are and how important you are. Um, Sometimes they even like they'll do that and then tear you down a little bit and tell you like, you won't be successful outside of this. This is the way to success. They prey on those things. So yeah, you just, um, undue influence is people, um, not giving you the benefit of informed consent, which I know is something that you talk about a lot that you love Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and like all I talk about, yes, <laughs> exactly. I talk about it and so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's not giving you the benefit of conformed incent and using psychological tactics to, um, make you believe something and to keep you in that belief system, even when you start questioning. A hundred percent. And like, yeah, it's just so interesting. Um, because I'm thinking about like, the people who we 
plug it into and we pay and stuff like that, like it's okay to question them as, and someone who is on the other end, it's okay for people to question you um, Mm -hmm. because it adds like depth to your work. It lets you see where you may need some more research. And it means absolutely nothing about your worth as a human to be questioned. And I feel like when we see this non-informed consent kind of uh, highlight reel of Mm -hmm. what it's like to work with seven and we don't know the entire behind the scenes and stuff like that, we just assume that they're like perfect or we assume that they know everything. And when we don't plug into, we were talking about like going outside of the industry or outside of the ecosystem. But when we don't try to seek knowledge outside of that, all we have is that echo chamber of this is perfect. This is the way to go. Like this person is flawless. And if you think there's a flaw, like it's on you or you have a block or you're triggered, right? Like that Mm -hmm. idea of you should always pay people who trigger you. And it's like, uh, I get it. Cause it's like, you want people to expand you. Just like everything is rooted in this makes sense. And that's why the undue influence works. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So that's what, like, there is a healthy side of influence, right? Like coaches can be extremely helpful. Like I, I love the fact that there's an industry with like a lower barrier of entry, because I think that's like important for um, people that don't have the same privileges and marginalized groups to be able to build something and be successful. Like I love, I mean, like therapy can be beneficial or you can be in a therapy cult. Like This Mm -hmm. exists everywhere across industries and there's a healthy way to influence people and expand them and help them through a transformation that they want to be helped through or just a variety of things. And sometimes like the way to influence someone is similar, whether it's healthy and unhealthy. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm still like researching so much into this of like how to make sure that it's healthy, right? Like how to yourself be a healthy leader and to also like not fall into something that's um, unhealthy because it exists on such a spectrum that some are so severe that you can lose tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can, um, like some of these, I've, some of these coaches are doing some really shady things behind the scene, not just uh-huh. with money, you know, like that you can get yourself wrapped into something that's extremely harmful and you can get yourself wrapped into something that maybe it's just harmful because it doesn't really work for you. And now you've spent money and like, you didn't have to, because if you had been informed about everything that being in this program or working with this person entails, and like what to expect um, on the other end, you you wouldn't have chosen to do it in the first place. Yeah. Um, and then you can also get into a relationship that's extremely beneficial. And I've been in a coaching relationship like that too, where like you're really supported by a person and they really help walk you through something um, with like your consent as the basis for all of it. So like, it's really important. And that's another, well, like, and that's another way that people do these things. You know, when you ask the question, why would someone get into this is because they might think it's healthy. Like there are healthy ways to do it. And the line, if you don't know what you're looking for, the line can be very gray or very blurry and you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Like people Mm -hmm. lie. 
you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like really easy to lie on the internet. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember I posted something the other day where I was like, guys, Photoshop exists. Like I was like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> Hey, like, all, cause I talk about ABC, all behaviors, communication. And like, uh-huh. I'm like, just because someone's posting screenshots of their bank account doesn't mean they're, they're someone who you should trust. Like trust is built over time. Like Photoshop exists. And that doesn't mean that every time someone posts a screenshot, it's fake. It just means that like, that can't be the only thing. And that that's Mm -hmm. that like, this is the only way, this is the only way to build credibility. This is the only way to build whatever. That's where like the authoritarian control comes into play. Because if everyone's looking for that to be the, the safety net, I guess, for them to be like, oh, this is the person to go to. It's like, that bar is like set really low. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I think that, yeah. I think that there are a lot of like very well intentioned coaches yeah. that are being taught undue like how to inflict undue influence on people. hundred percent. Yes, if they knew that that's what they were doing, they would never do it. But like they're being taught that this is the only way or this is the best way. And so they're inadvertently causing harm themselves. And I like that, like what you said, that if someone is critiquing you or questioning you, like that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That doesn't mean like you're doing something wrong or awful. It just means there's something that maybe you didn't know. And like, you should take it into consideration, take that new information that you didn't have before into consideration as you're building your business, because you don't have to use undue influence. Like you don't have to, you can influence people in in an amazing and healthy way and where it's based on consent and like, you can be very successful. Yeah. So like, we don't need to be hurting people. <laughs> so like, that's I'm so passionate about it. Cause I'm like, look, no one, no one hates the coaching industry. No one's mad at you. No one thinks you're a bad person, but like, let's make this space healthier for everyone, for you, <laughs> you know? Yes. And exactly what you said. Like people, I don't think people are bad who like do this stuff, especially because I used to do some of the shit and I yeah. came with the uh-huh. best intention. I was like, I love people. <laughs> like I love humans. I love helping humans. I can't wait to help people. Like I was just yeah. so excited. I, I was very blessed that the, the people who I like gave my money to in terms of coaches and stuff were always really incredible people. So like go past me because there are people who I'm still really close with and like amazing, but the people who I followed for free were not the people who I thought they were. And I think that's also part of, and I followed a lot of that advice, like when I even wasn't paying them. So it's not just from people who we work with personally, it's the people we follow on the internet too. Yeah, absolutely. In the name of good marketing and great leadership, it's like, this is what you do. And it's super harmful. And like, yeah, a hundred percent. So for you, oh, were you about to say something? No, I was just going to say that like a lot of those like bigger people, um, Mm -hmm. like it's coming out now. There are so many people that it's coming out that they are running like more severe cults behind the scenes. Like Like Teal Swan. Yes. I was just watching that before. 
I can only get up to episode three in Canada and I'm so upset. Oh man. <laughs> I need to know more. Like eventually. Yeah. It'll come. But yeah, I was just yeah. watching that too. Hmm. Yeah. It's coming out and like, and just like what you were saying is, are those people, they're influencing way more than just who they work with because of their reach and because of how many people view them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's not just who we pay and who we work with. It's, it's who we're following. A hundred percent for you. What measures, I know you said you're doing more research on it for, um, yourself and stuff, but for you, what has been super beneficial, even if it's something small to implement as you kind of get more comfortable with like stepping into and navigating the business world, what has been beneficial for you to keep yourself safe and safe and also keep the people in your containers, like try to honor them as well. So I think consent is one of the biggest things that has been helpful for me, um, implementing that into what I'm doing and making sure that, um, like trauma informed coaching, actually, I know a lot of people have been, that's kind of a controversial topic as well, but listening to people who talk like you, who talk about informed consent and some trauma informed business coaches are very good, Mm -hmm. um, because they introduce some of these concepts of like, holding space for someone's humanity and for them to be who they are and be where they are and not expect them to be anywhere else. Um, And just learning, like learning different perspectives outside of the industry, different ways that people do things and looking at, is that causing harm or not? And is that truthful or not? And then as far as like protection goes, understanding undue influence and the bite model and what that looks like um, has been invaluable because I'm able to spot these things in people before like getting too far into a relationship with them, paid or not. Um, I actually, I have a video series on this, but I also took the bite model and kind of highlighted different parts of it that I have seen happen in the coaching industry and like just knowing how to spot it and knowing whether someone seems like a safe person or not for you, you're the only one that can decide that. Like I can't decide if I'm safe for someone else um, and no one else can decide that they're safe for me or not. So just understanding this and having a grasp on it helps me to like, spot it (laughs) before it comes Mm -hmm. out. It's, it's wild to me, like how easy it is to spot when it's, when you understand versus like how easy it is to be susceptible to undue influence when like, you don't have a concept of it. Yeah. I just thought of something. Yeah. I just thought of something that it just inspired me that I'm like, Oh yeah. People don't talk about this as much, but that undue influence of, the, cause you said no one can decide who's safe for you. A hundred percent. I agree. And one thing that I feel like us in general in the coaching industry don't talk about enough is you don't have to know why you don't want to follow someone or why, if someone's like, everyone needs to work with this person, everyone needs to like do whatever. If that doesn't feel good for you, that's okay. And you don't have to ask why, what did they do to just uh-huh. know that's not Absolutely. a person. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. That's kind of what I was like alluding to is like, I, I know 
if I want to follow someone or not now, because I can use these um, things to decide if they feel like they're truthful to me. And it doesn't matter. Like they could be truthful and safe, but if I don't feel like they are, that's okay. You know, like it almost doesn't matter. Like, I mean, it matters if they're hurting people or not, but like, even if they're totally safe and they would have been totally safe, it is a hundred percent. Okay. For me to be like, you know what? Like, I don't want to take that risk. Like, I don't want to put myself in the situation to take that risk because it's such a spectrum and it can be so gray. Like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you, you get to decide. And there is that peer pressure in the coaching industry too. Mm. And like, it's so interesting because it's there. It's like that pressure of like, like this person's all their clients. It's like, there's that trending coach that it's like all their clients are getting amazing results. You see everyone posting about it. And then you feel like pressured to also be in adoration with that person. And then you might watch something of theirs and be like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get where the, the, um, enthralled energy is. And maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not for you to get, maybe it's not your space or maybe there might be something that you just don't know. And like, your gut is telling you to not follow that person. So it's like, that's okay. And just, if someone's like, Oh, do you follow this person? You can be like, Oh no, like I don't follow that. Like it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, you said that there's a video series. Where can they find that? Sorry, it went out again. <laughs> oh, that's okay. They said that there, you said that there's a video series um, yes. on that for you. Uh, where can they find that? Because I'll link that. So uh, I, if you find me on Instagram or TikTok, it's in the link in my bio for both of those. Great. Yes. It's Are like you comfortable with me putting that bio link just in the show notes? Absolutely. Great. I would love and that's that. consent, kids. That's how yes. easy consent can be. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So where can people find you? Where are your favorite places to hang out? And where can they learn more about everything we talk about? My favorite place to hang out right now is TikTok. So I, yes, I do. um, I post all kinds of stuff about the like current coaches or spiritual gurus that things are coming out about. So kind of like breaking culty news. I do different series on different cult leaders or people who have been labeled as culty. And we kind of dive into if they are culty or if they're not. Um, And then I just post fun stuff. So I have a lot of fun over there um, and I'm on Instagram as well. And then from there, you can find all of my other links, my podcast, um, which we will continue this conversation on my podcast, which is going to be really fun. So TikTok is the place to go. It's at the dot Cassie Marie. Amazing. Thank you so much. And yes, we are going to continue the conversation over on Cassie's podcast. So if you want to hear more culty shit and us talking about culty shit uh head over there and i will put everything in the show notes thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me Mm -hmm.